Ken Miller, Trent Condon. They are Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Hi, good morning, everybody, and welcome in. It's a Monday edition of Miller and Condon here on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Abbreviated program today. We are here until 1145, and we'll make way for the Iowa Wild and the Ice Hogs of Rockford? You are asking the wrong person, Ken Miller. I'm pretty sure they are the Blackhawks affiliate. This we do know. There is AHL hockey downtown Des Moines. If you're off today looking for something to do, I highly recommend uh, the Iowa Wild, who are having a really good season. AHL hockey down Wells Fargo Arena uh, with an 11.45. I assume it is a 12 o'clock puck drop. And we're going to talk to Joe a little bit before he takes the air. I have one question. Okay. Nico Nico Nita Rider. My guy is gone. He's a Carolina hurricane. He get, what what happened there? They're gutting that team. Come in April, I usually like a Nico or two and there's no Nico anymore. Well, you can always switch affiliates uh to the Eastern Conference and uh, get, proudly wear your Hartford Whaler gear. By the way, I have a uh, some hockey gear on the way right now for I uh, got a new North Stars hat. I refuse, nice. I refuse to refer to them as the Minnesota Wild. They're always the so North Stars. So you actually have a North Star hat or is it a it, Wild hat? It's a North Stars hat it's that is coming in the mail. Outstanding. Love yes. the love the logo, love the colors. Um, yeah. Should be theirs. Uh, absolutely. Saw a game there a long time ago. It was it was a fun building. Green and gold seats, I want to say. Yes. At uh, the old Met. At the old Met. Well, let's let's move around, Trent. we got a whole bunch of stuff here to do today and only uh, 15 fewer minutes to do so. Of course, we'll take a look back at Iowa's big win yesterday over Illinois. Likewise, Iowa State as they just crush uh, Oklahoma State. And, oh, by the way, they're on the right back in action tonight. So we'll do a lot on that. Kansas and Iowa State coming up. We've got a couple of games to Recap from yesterday football games. We saw three heavy heads in college basketball all go down. Kansas, you know, if you think back during the week, at one point, our sports are so great, right? We remember, I think I brought it up that, you know, Trent, I was looking ahead to the schedule. You remember how good Kansas-West Virginia used to be? Oh, yeah. And what a game. that This would be appointment television. Well, you know, sadly this year, Huggins' team is... Nowhere near as good as they have been over the last few years. And what once was appointment TV, now you won't even show up on your radar. <laughs> and West Virginia beats them. And then earlier in the morning, we saw Michigan fall for the first time as Ian Happ put on a show as Wisconsin knocks off Michigan uh, later on the night, the nightcap. Two really good teams. Maybe the two best teams in college basketball, Virginia and Duke going at it. Uh, R.J. Barrett and Zion combining for 57 points for Duke in that basketball game. But we should start with football because that is the... Uh, what we left the weekend with uh, was the memories of the two championship games. I don't know. Um, there there might have been a better championship weekend in my lifetime. I, the latest is always the greatest. This one kind of is. I mean, I can't think of one that even rivals that. We got two games. Both of the games went to overtime. I mean, that's yes. all you need to know, right? Both of these games go to overtime. Let's start first with New Orleans and the Rams. Look, I, I, I get the non-call, and this wasn't Please quit referring to it as the worst call in the history of the NFL. It wasn't a call. Call it the worst non-call. Okay, I'll listen. But it's not the worst call. He didn't call. <laughs> there was no call. Should have been. There wasn't. They missed that one. And there were plenty of 
decisions that were made. Uh, we were talking a little bit earlier about McVeigh, his decision to kick the field goal mm-hmm. and, and to tie make things it 20 up. Apiece, yep. How it doesn't seem like that's normally how he is, but you get caught in those. But we were left with nine straight hours, if you watch the Iowa game, mm-hmm. of a fun sports. It, it just Saturday, Sunday, Trent, were just spectacular. It was. This is... This is what you work for the weekend for, mm-hmm. and to get games like that. It was just a great day. And uh, got the phone call. I've, I've told you before, so I know a Rams fan in my life. I have one. Mm-hmm. My stepdad has been a Rams fan forever, went through the move and everything else, but he's the one Rams fan that I, I really know in my life that loves the team. He's got my daughter, a Rams fan. And you ask her who her favorite football team is, not the Vikings, like Mom, or mm-hmm. the Bears, like Dad. Mm-hmm. It is the Rams. Oh, good for her. Like Grandpa. And she loves her Papa Bob, and she's got her own Todd Gurley jersey nice. now. So she was wearing that yesterday, and I Did told her. Did you see the picture on Twitter, by the way, of Gurley and Vinovich exchanging jerseys? <laughs> yes, how great I mean, was that? It obviously was Photoshop, but that was, that was priceless. And I told her that her team's going to the Super Bowl. And does that resonate at all? Nope, right no. back to playing. Yeah, <laughs> Right back to playing, not one iota. But she had her pink Todd Gurley jersey on, so nice. there's another happy person in the world. What, what a game, though, and, and the decisions that come down, but... What's going to be talked about is the non-call, mm-hmm. as you said, late in that game. And how do you miss that? It's, it's egregious. I, I don't know how. I don't know how, Trent. I really and truly don't. You, that's, it's, it's inexcusable. It's inexcusable that everybody on the field went and missed it. I know that uh, the, the Washington Post is reporting. I didn't click on the article on Twitter, um, but they're reporting uh, that apparently the NFL is going to review the pass interference. Now, pass interference, I'm pretty sure, is a reviewable, a challengeable play in the CFL in Canada. I saw that on Twitter. Yeah, right? people because talking about that. They yep. Apparently, and look, I don't follow the CFL. Maybe in July, before for for a week or two. Um, but apparently, there was an egregious miss up there that precipitated that rule change. This was this was an on call, so that will will that factor will it, will that be challengeable? Will non calls be challengeable as opposed to um, actual calls on the field? But look, as as you said, there were other things. Look, settling for two field goals in, in the first quarter. I mean, six nothing yes. instead of ten nothing, fourteen nothing. Um, Throwing the ball to Michael Thomas instead of taking 40 seconds off the clock. And that would have been maybe a three or a four yard game, but a minimal gain. And you decided to do that, Sean Payton, as opposed to, you know, running the football. Um, what you needed in that spot was to run clock. Yes. That's it. Yes. But you made a mistake and you gave the Rams time and you paid an ultimate price for it. And then, I mean, how about Legatron? 57 yards. Here's the thing with McVeigh on that call, as, as you well know. If he misses that field goal, Absolutely. they're set up shop at the forty-seven. They need a play. They need a. Well, they need one play. A play. Yep. That's yep. it. What a gutsy call! And yes. you know what? His kicker didn't let him. Trent, how good is that cook? Uh, that kick, rather. You know, I don't want to exaggerate, but it seems like it's good from sixty-five. Oh, I mean, he, that was he way up in the net. Bombed it. Absolutely bombed it. I do like NBC. You know, they have the yes. We didn't get the that data. with the Fox yep. bro- broadcast. I would have loved to see that because. Mm-hmm. Felt like it would have been good. You're right, from 65, 67. Mm. He just crushed it. Greg the leg. Yeah, Greg the leg, Megatron, whatever you want to call him. He's Super Bowl bound. Um, and grew up in Nebraska. Really? And didn't go to Nebraska. And I, and I, I think a lot of people wondered why. And then uh, Greg Zerline's kick forced Steve Sippel into action <laughs> last night and actually wrote a piece for the Lincoln Journal Star explaining how he got away. 
Um, and he didn't leave. I guess he played his, his football in Omaha, of all places, before going to a junior college for one year because he was hurt for one year. But you remember Alex Henry? Yes, A-G-N-E-R-Y? yes, yes. Really good played kicker. Played the league. Yes. Yeah. Eagles? Yes. Played in the league. Um, and that's why Zerline never got an opportunity to kick in his home state. So, um, you know, every now and then these guys slip by the system, or um, and, and that's one of them. But you know what? Really good football game. Look, the, the officials missed calls that went against the Rams. The the uh, face mask call, Goff was clearly face mask. It's going to happen. It's just mm-hmm. at the worst opportune time. Vikings fans have absolutely no sympathy. I know a lot of them in my life, and every single one of them. Felt the exact same way. Karma. I was surprised by the vitriol. I saw the same thing with Vikings fans. Mm-hmm. I, I it's ten years in the rearview mirror. Yeah, but right? don't forget if though, if they're an older Vikings fan, you've got all those bitter Sundays that you suffered through. Yeah, and it felt like you're finally going yes. to break through. Yes. I still I I remember more. Brett Favre, that throw late. That's well. That's Paul Allen's call. This isn't Detroit or what? It's something like that. Yeah. I'm paraphrasing. If you're a Saints fan, you're gutted. Back to back years. I mean, mm-hmm. the miracle, and then and then this, just uh, unbelievable. All right, let's go to the Chiefs and the Patriots. Trent, I'm I just going to tip my cap to these guys. I am. I made a New Year's resolution on the 20th of January yesterday. Okay. <laughs> I am no longer going to um, foolishly, embarrassingly. Go on the radio, as I have for the last couple of years. I, oh, look, I've embarrassed myself more often than that, folks. You know, we well know. Um, and claim that this is over, right? Yeah. Because until these two guys, and I'm talking about Belichick and Brady, tell us unequivocally that it's over. It's not over. It's not over. And this was another example of this last night. Dominating performance at times. They do what they do. And when you look through it, I, I understand... All right, it's the same thing over and over. It's the Patriots over and over mm-hmm. again. You know, and as I told you the last couple of weeks, again, speaking of vitriol, I don't have that same hate for the Patriots. Is it annoying? Maybe in a way. Yeah, I'm not I'm not on the hate meter either. I was in the annoying meter. Yes, I agree with you. But the respect that yes. that I have and I think sports fans should have mm-hmm. in today's NFL over the last 25 years when the sport has changed, this is what it is set up mm-hmm. to guard against. Mm-hmm. Yes, go to their ninth Super Bowl, right? And, and and they're drafting at the at the bottom of the first round mm-hmm. every single year. They have draft picks taken away, and they have draft picks taken away for cheating. Um, here's the thing: why? And I and I asked myself this yesterday: Why did I love the Bulls in the '90s? Their historic run, their their domination of the sport. I couldn't get enough. Right? I was okay with them winning year after year after year, mm-hmm. except when Michael went away for you know whatever you want to say went away for sabbatical. Uh, sabbatical, right? He wanted to play baseball. Sure, he did. But anyways, he's, that's <laughs> that's the story, um, and we've never definitively been um, able to come up with anything else. So we can appreciate the Bills. And they are dominating the NBA like they did. Why can't we do it to the Patriots? Why do we hate the Patriots but like the Bulls? I think there's that cheating aspect of it that plays in for a lot of people. And then the way that Patriot fans kind of took that and and used it as a rallying cry, I think that was annoying to a lot of people. If the Red Sox wouldn't have won their three World Series in in this Mm. century, would 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 it be easier to swallow? Perhaps, yeah. Boston as a whole. Uh-huh. If I didn't, to the left of me, sit with two card-carrying Boston sports junkies, would that be easy to swallow? Probably. Probably. Yeah. yeah. And I did. You did. Absolutely. You did um, with that. I don't know what it is, but my God. But it's greatness. It's, it is. This is greatness. Mm-hmm. 41 years old. 
You're down four. You need a touchdown. Uh-huh. He goes right down and does it. Third and ten. Third and nine. Third and ten. In overtime. It's amazing. It's Big a clinic. Bang, boom. D Ford. I mean, how do you live mm-hmm. that one down? We've we've seen guys that uh, you don't. No, I don't think you do. That one's going to stick with you. That's going to reverberate just like the corner for the Broncos when Joe Flacco threw the ball a mile, 90 mile, 90 yards or whatever it was, when that's the only thing that could beat you and you let him get behind you. Last year in the in, at U.S. Bank Stadium. Um, Blair Walsh. Blair Walsh. There's Ronnie a, Harmon. Not Ronnie just Harmon. in the Rose Bowl, but also in the NFL playoffs. People yes. forget that. No, you're right. It's part and parcel of the Ronnie Harmon story. Mm-hmm. Just amazing. Just absolutely amazing day in football yesterday. Um, should the overtime rule change? I don't know. Do you want to go to the college game? That takes the special teams out of it. it does. Should Pat Mahomes have had an opportunity? I don't know. I mean, I... Were we robbed the sports fans yesterday not getting an opportunity for Pat Mahomes to get one more kick at the can? Maybe. I mean, yes, we As were. As sports fans, yes, we were. We were. Um, but in the... Sanctity of the game, fairness, whatever you want, whatever term you want to use, to stop. And, and you're right. And here's the thing, Trent. This isn't going to change. I don't think because if it would have changed, you don't have to go back very far. When Brady won the toss in the Super Bowl, right, to knock off the Atlanta Falcons, and the Atlanta team never touched the football offensively, right down the field, right touchdown. down the field, touchdown, game over. Another Lombardi Trophy going to New England. Three overtime playoff games and Brady's. Career. Mm-hmm. All three times, got the football, down went the down field. and scored. Yep. The other team didn't touch the football mm-hmm. once mm-hmm. in those three games. Mm-hmm. The greatness of Tom Brady. Greatness of Tom Brady. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. You have to think. I mean, maybe Father Time's going to catch up with him, but you know what? Maybe it's not. <laughs> He's 41. He was never fleet of foot. Tom Brady was never a guy that... And maybe, you know what, as, as I think about it, maybe that's prolonged his career. Maybe as much as anything, the way he plays the game has led him to the longevity that he's enjoying. Maybe if he would have been a guy that would have been able to take some chances with his feet, that would have taken a toll on him. We wouldn't see him at 41 years old. Like, it was a remarkable day yesterday. Absolutely remarkable day. Yesterday. How much more can he do this? How much longer? I, I, Two, three, I four up. years. I give up. Yeah. Father Time outruns everybody except Tom Brady. Except Tom Brady. Uh, here's the show, by the way, coming up in a few minutes, about 10 minutes, all less than that. We're going to get Alex Halstead in here. Uh, a couple of things. Um, seemingly out of nowhere, although I admittedly don't get um, alerted when there's a Cyclone uh, media event. Um, Brock Purdy and Mike Rose, who were off-limits to the media last year, both had an opportunity to meet the media uh, for the first time as Cyclones, so we'll do that. But also we will uh, take a look back at the Oklahoma State-Iowa State game and ahead to Kansas and Iowa State tonight. By the way, um, looking ahead to tonight, like, you know, the weekend's not enough. Entertain me, sports. (laughs) 5.30 tonight, Maryland at Michigan State. It's a good start to things. Heavyweight tilt right there. Michigan State's in in the state. That game's a yeah, that game's a Carver six o'clock tip on on Thursday. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see Michigan State tonight. Get a little advanced look at them um, before Thursday, and then of course K State, K State, uh, Iowa State, and Kansas tonight. Big Monday. What's the game that precedes it? Do you know? Uh, Carolina, I think it, it is Carolina. Yeah. Yes, it is. It is. So hopefully that one won't go too far into the eight o'clock hour. Just a great weekend. You know what else I did on the weekend, Trent? 
And I'm, I don't think I've ever sat and watched MMA in my life. Oh. I watched after Kansas and yes. Duke on Saturday yep. night. I actually watched the MMA. Virginia Duke. Thank you. Um, Virginia Duke on Saturday. And I actually watched the MMA of all things. I had it on, watched it a little bit. Wasn't awful. No. Stephen A. Smith was a fish out of water. Luckily, we had the volume down. So. Uh, Anthony we wants to chime in here. Then we'll take a break. We'll get Alex Halstead. Anthony, thanks for being patient. Welcome to Miller & Condon. How are you? Good. How are you guys doing? Good. Um, yeah, I kind of just want to – I'm not a fan of either teams, but they were great games. Both, you know, of all the teams that were in, I'm not a fan. Um but watching the Patriots game and thinking to myself, uh, guys, who's the first team that Tom Brady really blew his career up and won the Super Bowl? The Rams. Yeah. Is it going to be weird to be sitting in wow. his basement thinking about retirement and looking at his wall and seeing <laughs> that picture? Because you know he's got a picture of him beating the Rams. Yeah. Bookends? Is that what you're saying? Bookends. Yeah. Full circle? Done. I'm thinking he's done. He gets this ring. If he gets it, he's done. Anthony, excellent That's call. Good. Excellent theory. Appreciate the call. I uh, appreciate you listening. Uh, bookends, yeah. Full circle? So yeah. it's over? No, it's not over. No, no. But in it, I, I think that's very valid. Yes, you know, beating the Rams. He wasn't. I mean, that's that was the year. Did he not split time? He got got into the game because Bledsoe got hurt. Yep. And then Belichick did the unthinkable. I remember working with Bob Dyer at the mm-hmm. time on the Jockaroony, and uh, God, I love that station. We had so much fun. Um, such a great, great. Anyways, I want to talk about that today. I will at one time. But yeah, I I, I was convinced. What we are you both doing? were. You well, got to go back to Bledsoe. He was limited. Tom Brady at that time, he was he was the guy that drew Henson yes. beat out for a job. Yes. This is a guy that six round draft pick. Yeah, you got a million dollar quarterback and Drew Bledsoe that had his own limitations mm-hmm. at that point, but still mm-hmm. was the big arm quarterback. And then he came in. What is it, AFC Championship game or divisional round against the Steelers? Divisional round, I think. And then they were struggling against the Steelers, and Bledsoe brought him back. Yeah. Um, and I, isn't isn't that the one where he's on the stage with the Lombardi Trophy in his hand? He's got the palm of his hand kind of on his forehead, like, "Oh my God, what just happened?" Yeah, boy, he's had an unbelievable. Oh my God, that was a long time ago. I'm a card carrying, always will be John Elway fan. Mm-hmm. Will McDonough, the great Will McDonough, once said that if you take all the greatest quarterbacks and threw them out on the same field and had them compete, John Elway would be the starter. All the greatest quarterbacks in the game. Okay. Sean McDonough's dad, Will, do you remember Will yes, McDonough? Of long course. T- I mean, he was He was one on of, NBC's yeah. covers for a long time. He yeah. was as... Who was he? Give me, a, give me a guy that he is now. He's Adam Schefter? No, well, he's bigger than that. Bigger than that. A, a long time as... Um, like a Peter Gammons in of baseball. The, yeah. Will McDonough was to the NFL... Very well respected, right? Tom Brady's the greatest quarterback that's ever lived, Trent. I don't think how you can... Nine Super Bowls. I mean, five he's and the three greatest quarterback that's ever lived. Here's the good news, Chiefs fans. And I know this stings today. It really and truly does. Um, your, 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 your window just opened. Mm-hmm. Your window is going to remain open, at least for the next couple of years, when you got this kid on his rookie contract. I think I saw he's got two more years... This year, 2019 and 2020, and then he's got to resign. So you've got some time. Rebuild that defense. Yeah, rebuild the defense for sure. Rebuild the defense for and sure. Make sure he's got weapons. Mm-hmm. Don't forget about that guy, too. You know what? He's, he's, he's got a weapon that was completely taken out of the game yesterday. 
What did Tyreek Hill do in that football game yesterday? One catch. One catch. Even Travis Kelsey had the touchdown early, yep. But what did he finish with? Three catches for 20-some yards? Uh, I'm looking right now. Three catches for 23 yards. Tyreek Hill, one catch for 42 yards. He had that long, that one long one. You know who had the best day of everybody yesterday, though? The best day of everybody. Best day of everybody. Overall, in the, over the two games? Yeah, over the two games. Greg Zerline. It was really good. This guy was better. This guy was better. Yep. Who you got? Tony Romo. Oh. He's called out everything. Trent, I swear to God, he was. there was a point in that football game where he called, like, I don't know, I don't think it's an exaggeration, eight or nine plays before they happen. Edelman over the middle of the field. Gronk's got one-on-one. Watch this safety. If the safety goes down, Gronk's out on an island by himself. He's going to Gronk. They're going to run the football here. It was amazing. Why don't the Chiefs just pay him $10 million to be the defensive coordinator? Well, He knows what's coming. You know what? Uh, I saw a lot of that on Twitter. Why don't the Cowboys hire him? Yes. I don't think they can. He, Tony Romo could take the cut and pay. Boy, he is brilliant. And here's the good news. We get him two weeks from yesterday. He's got the Super Bowl yes. this year. We've got Alex Halstead next. We'll get right to him. Scott Dockerman coming up at 1040. Wrote a great piece if you're an athletic subscriber. And uh, by the way, Doc's been moonlighting a little bit. He was spent some time earlier in the week in Ames. Yes. He was part of the Brock Purdy Mike Rose press conference. So we'll do that with him. We'll also do the piece he just posted today on Kirk Ferentz. I'm not going to spoil it for everybody. At least now I will in 15 minutes if you want to read it before we talk about it. It's really good. Uh, and then we'll do the uh, basketball uh, Chiefs Insider, Nick Athen, going to join us, licking his wounds, I'm sure, at 11.15. And then we'll go live to Wells Fargo Reno, grab Joe O'Donnell. We'll bring him in here for a quick preview, catch up on what's going on at the Wild. They dropped the puck today at noon. If you're off today, you don't have anything to do, you want to get out of the house, blow the stink off you, um, highly recommend that you had make your way down to Wells Fargo. Just got a text here from uh, Steve Rowe. Uh, tickets available for Thursday night at Carver. How wow. about that? HawkeyeSports.com or call 1-800-IOWA-HAWKS. Thank you, Steve Rowe, for that update. Uh, Michigan State, Iowa, 6 o'clock tip. Carver Hawkeye Arena on Thursday night. We'll take a timeout. Trent and I are here until noon. No, until 11.45. It's Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Sports Radio in Iowa starts and ends right here. This is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Hi, welcome back. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. 15 minutes away, Scott Dockerman from The Athletic. Right now, Alex Halstead, CycloneAlert.com, joins us prior to jumping in the car and driving to Lawrence. And then jumping back in the car and driving back. Oof. Oof. <laughs> oh, to be young, Alex Halstead. That's a long day. You ready for it? I hope so, yeah. I was looking, and I think it's about three and a half hours each way. So I'll probably spend more, way more time in the car today than I will in Lawrence, Kansas. <laughs> Which isn't a bad thing, I guess. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> no, you're going to see, hopefully, you're going to see a good basketball game. We'll get to that in a second. Let's start with football, though. Uh, as Iowa State made their at least. Um, up until this point, there are two, two of the guys that uh, Cyclone fans wanted to hear from available for the first time in Mike Rose and the quarterback, Brock Purdy. Uh, great that they did. It really was um, overdue in a lot of people's minds, but uh, you had an opportunity to catch up with both Mike Rose and Brock Purdy. And no surprise, very polished. Looks like they've been doing media stuff uh, since they got there. But for the first time, the, they, were, they were really well polished. That was maybe as big a takeaway as anything for me, Alex. 
Yeah, that definitely stood out to me, too, is how well-spoken both of them were. And you could tell the media wanted to talk to them. I think we talked to Purdy for 15 minutes and um, Mike Rose for 10 minutes, which are quite a bit longer than most player interviews ever go. And, um, yeah, they were well-spoken. I think some of that maybe, I think, starts to come from recruiting now. I mean, some of these kids have been so exposed to doing interviews since mm, they sure. were juniors and seniors in high school. They've done so many, especially when you're a higher-profile recruit, which I guess Mike Rose wasn't. You know, he had one Power 5 offer at Brock Purdy wasn't until late, but uh, I know he was getting inundated that last month in January last year when Alabama, Texas A&M, Iowa State, all those different reporters were calling him. So I think they're definitely a lot, a little bit more exposed to the media stuff. And um, the, the interesting thing to me is just like these two are roommates this last year, I think somewhat by chance, you know, going into the year, I was thinking, you know, these two were going to be stars. And then these two roommates end up being the biggest true freshman on the team. And you know, both of them up nationally for different freshman-type awards. You know, Alex, speaking of football, I, I saw a tweet that you had up in a post-cyclone alert. Daryl Brock had a touchdown in the All-Star game that he played in, the Polynesian Bowl. Any idea the connection there, how he ended up uh, playing in the Polynesian Bowl? And certainly good to see a guy uh, ending his high school part of his career with the TD. Yeah, from my understanding, a lot of these Polynesian or the Polynesian Bowl, a lot of the, the prospects that play there, there's a good chunk of them that are obviously West Coast kids in our Polynesian culture. Um, but I think another part of the game is bringing in just high-profile players, and I think their whole thing is to kind of acclimate them and show them what the Polynesian culture is. So the bowl is kind of partially Polynesian players, but it's also partly trying to get their culture out there, and that's bringing in other high-profile players, you know. I didn't realize until I started looking this last week how big that roster was. You know, Jairo Brock is, you know, a top 247 running back. He's the number nine running back in the country by 24-7 sports, and he was like the fourth or fifth highest rated running back there. So quite a few high, highly regarded players there. He did have the 19-yard touchdown run, and, you know, that comes a couple weeks after Brees Hall, their other running back commit, the number 10 back in the country, mm-hmm. played in the All-American Bowl in San Antonio and had a a 30-yard catch, and it's it's funny because I think those are the two ways you're going to see those use, those two running backs coexist. Is you know, Brees Hall is probably going to be a lot more of a pass catcher, although not to say he's not going to run the ball, obviously. And then Jairo Brock's pretty good in kind of a spread offense, like they used him this weekend. So those two, it's going to be interesting to see what they what they look like beginning with spring ball with Hall, and then this summer, you know, with Brock. You know, how do those two? maybe combined to help replace David Montgomery. Mm, Cyclone Alerts, Alex Halstead uh, is with Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Well, let's go back before we go forward to tonight. And uh, Iowa State had a, a convincing win over Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State, to their credit, uh, they're, they're undermanned. They they kept it close for a while before the guy in the game got away from them. Although the second second half, they um, you know they, they gave it their all. I, I give them credit for that. Where I want to go with you is a couple of guys that came off the bench in, in Lard and Wigington. I thought Cameron Lard was terrific. Lindell Wigington was, uh, he had his shooting eye for the first time, uh, in, certainly in Big 12 uh, play this year. Um, you know, both of those guys, off the bench, Lard and Wigington, really, really played well. Yeah, I think the, the interesting storyline coming out of this game is kind of twofold. One, I think it's that, you know, now Iowa State's 4 and 2 in the Big 12, and there's this big talk about how there's four teams tied at 4 and 2, and, even after an uneven three weeks, Iowa State's tied in a four-way tie for first of the Big 12, you know, a third of the way through the Big 12 season. But the other storyline is, I think, a third of the way through the Big 12 season, Linda Wigginton and Cameron Lard, like you said, were the two standouts Saturday. And if those two continue on that trajectory, I think people are starting to wonder what this team could look like at full strength. So, you know, Cameron Lard, like you said, played well, scored 
uh, I think 12.5 rebounds, three blocks in 14 minutes. Obviously really efficient from him, and that's probably the, the closest he's looked to the freshman Cameron Lard that we saw last year. And then Wigginton, you know, raised his three-point percentage by five percentage points yesterday. Mm-hmm. You know, he entered that game 10 of 35 from beyond the arc, and I think that's just kind of been a frustration for him because Iowa State knows he's capable. You know, he shot 40% beyond the arc last year, um, and I think he went four of seven in the game. So it, it, it was kind of the closest version of last year that we've seen. I think we're going to now see probably a starting lineup change coming. I don't think probably tonight, but the general thought seems to be maybe come Saturday against Ole Miss with a full week to prepare been a non-conference opponent that Linda Wigginton could rejoin the lineup here really soon. So um, I think they're starting to kind of get to the point where we're going to see Wigginton probably start, play play more minutes, and they hope play like he did Saturday. And then Lard's going to kind of start to fill into the role. You know, Saturday was only 14 minutes. Maybe he starts getting up close to that 20-minute range. Alex, if that's the case and we do see a, a starting lineup change for the game against Old Miss, is it – Horton Tucker that's bounced out? Is it Halliburton? What direction do you think they go in the guy that is replaced in the starting lineup? Yeah, Steve Prohm said that you know they've, they've started to have team discussions. He said the team kind of knows this is coming. I think everybody realizes that you know Lindell Wigginton's going to start at some point. Um, I would probably go and lean you know, that it's going to be Taylor Horton Tucker. When you start to look at his recent games, he started to play more of that six-man minutes. Um, I don't know. I can't remember what his minutes were Saturday, but I think last Wednesday they were like 19. So he's starting to get into that role where he's starting, but he's playing, you know, six man minutes. Where you look at, you know, Tyrese Halliburton, those games where he's playing 35 plus. And so if if you bring Tyrese Halliburton off the bench, there's not, it's probably not even possible for him to play 35 plus because, you know, the way they're using Wigginton right now, he's not coming in until about that 14 minute mark, and that takes 12 minutes off his his max minutes he can play. You know, by by taking six minutes off his line each half. So I would probably lean that it's going to be David Horton Tucker, and I think that that makes some sense because he could be that spark probably as a six-man off the bench. Kansas Falls in Morgantown on Saturday. They uh, get beat by, I think it was one or two. It was a close basketball game. So Kansas uh, will be back on Big Monday coming off a loss. Couple that with the fact that Iowa State embarrassed them when Big 12 play uh, started way back in early January. It's going to be a tough spot. It always is in Allen Fieldhouse. But, uh, you know, this Kansas team, we've, we've all kind of had this same question mark about them is, you know, what are they this year? Are they head and shoulders above everybody? Couldn't you just go ahead and anoint them yet again? Or is this maybe the uh, starting to see a little warts on these Jayhawks? I'm kind of in the latter camp right now. I'm just not convinced. Look, uh, Lawson's a really great player. Um, Grimes had a big day against Iowa State earlier when they played. I don't know about this Kansas team. I really don't. Where are you? Yeah, I, that's kind of my thought, too, is I still think this is obviously a good team, but I don't think it's this team that's probably going to run away with the conference or a team that Texas Tech and Iowa State don't think they can compete with to still win the conference, you know, a third of the way through the Big 12 schedule. You know, they're, they're, they've lost two road games now to Iowa State, right, 17, and then the close one-point loss, like you said, to West Virginia. They're still going to win most games at home. You know, they're favored by five-and-a-half points tonight. Um, and, and so that's going to obviously keep them in the race, their, their home court advantage, and they'll go steal some on the road. But that's what I'm starting to wonder. Is, is it going to take just 12 wins to tie for the, for the league? I think the 13 probably gets it done. And the talk down in Lawrence now is all of a sudden, you know, we know Azabuke is out for the year, but they don't really have much three-point shooting, and so it's kind of all Dietrich Lawson. Mm-hmm. You know, the talk down there in recent days has been they need to get um, Sugio De Silva, De Silvio um, eligible as this kind of boost of energy for them. And so 
if they get him back, I think that then we have to kind of see what the team looks like with him. But, you know, right now, I just think they've got some faults. You know, even at home, they've, they've been taken to the wire against really TCU, Texas last week. You know, they're, they're beatable. They've played a lot of close games. But like you said, it's still tough to win down there. And I think that's why tonight almost feels like this bonus game for Iowa State. If they win it, you know, they're 5-2 and two in first place in the Big 12, and they've already played Kansas twice and Texas Tech on the road. If you lose it, you're still 4-3, and three, and then, you know, next week you have two home games against West Virginia and Texas. That could still get you at the midway point at 6-3. Six, at six and three. You'll at least be favored to do that. So tonight's a big game for Iowa State, but it also kind of feels like this bonus game that doesn't necessarily kill them if they lose it, but it could be a huge win if they if they can can win a, a third road game. No doubt about that. Alex Halstead, Cyclone Alert. Alex, drive carefully. You're headed down there this afternoon and right back after the game or once you follow your piece. Uh, drive carefully. We will talk to you next week. Thank you, Alex. Yeah, thanks, guys. Talk to you guys later. Good to talk to you. Alex Halstead, CycloneAlert.com. This Big 12 Conference, Trent, is... Uh, as, as, as Alex mentioned, four teams at four and two. Baylor, how about Baylor picking off Texas Tech, who's now lost two straight games? Yes. Uh, K State, since they get weighed back, they're a different team. Brown is unbelievable. Uh, Stokes a nice player, but um, all of a sudden, Power ranked the Big Twelve for me at, at uh, twenty-two eleven on uh, MLK Day. I still take Kansas one. Would you? Yeah. It's Kansas. Mm-hmm. Did we just have this conversation with New England? No, we did. We did. Yes, we did. Um, I don't know. I guess until something proves otherwise, right? If Iowa State walks out of there with a victory, Mm -hmm. conversation changes. It does change. Until that happens, though, until they lose a home game, can't go that route. Mm -hmm. Still Kansas. Big, big win for uh, the Mountaineers. Really Mm -hmm. was. Fans uh, rushed the court. Yeah. yeah, pretty neat to see. We'll take a time, especially when they're winless, right? Yeah. Winless. You pick off Kansas in your building. Fan base needed that. Not that we really... Tough to win on the road in conference play. We say it every year. We do. There is another perfect example. Scott Dockerman from The Athletic joins us next. Trent and I until 11.45 today. Iowa Wild Hockey at that time. It's Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Streaming live from coast to coast on iHeartRadio, this is 1460 KXNO. Hi, welcome back. Miller and Condon here until 11.45. An hour from now, we will... I was going to say hand things off, and we'll pass it off to Joe O'Donnell. And oh, the, uh, I see what you did right? there. Right, you see mm-hmm. that? You get that? Uh, let's get Scott Darkerman in here. He's with The Athletic, just posted a big piece earlier this morning on Kirk Ferentz. Earlier in the same week, he was uh, in Ames as Brock Purdy and Mike Rose met the media, so we'll do that with Doc, uh, and he joins us. Hello, Scott Darkerman. How are you? Hey, well, I'm doing okay. You know, it's uh, uh, I'm in Minnesota now and driving my son back to college, and it is blustery and cold. Oh, my gosh. It's rough up here. No, well, be careful. How are the roads? Okay, though? Yeah, the roads are okay, but Good. the wind is uh, really sweeping some stuff across the interstate. Yeah, understandable. Well, let, let's uh, let's talk about your uh, your football uh, coverage this week, and since you started the week earlier uh, with a uh, with a trip to Ames and, and doing a piece on Brock Purdy and Mike Rose, just your takeaways from uh, the two gifted Iowa State freshmen who had an opportunity to speak with the media for the first time. You know, I really was taken away by their maturity and as. as people and you know this is the first time on campus that they face you know media and uh you know there were several members and 
And uh, you can really tell how grounded they both are, how, uh, you know, their kind of charisma comes out. And, you know, so that that's really kind of my primary takeaway from both players, and in particular, you know, Brock Purdy. And, and uh, you know, kind of my main angle with this is he's got a chance to really end that kind of quarterback carousel that's happened in Asia yeah. since really Austin or not. Mm-hmm. It seemed like, you know, being on the other side of the state, that every year there was some sort of uh, – you know, great quarterback yep. playing Iowa, and then in the middle part of the season, then somebody else takes over, and it just <laughs> right. happens almost every year. It's and, true. And so now, now you've got a chance. You, you think with a true freshman playing the way Brock Purdy did last year, that he's got an you know an excellent opportunity to kind of break that, you know, be a, a three or four year starter there. Doc, you're uh, dipping your toe in a little bit to some Iowa State stuff. You did the same during the fall, during football season. What's the perspective, though? Obviously, you are on the Iowa beat. You're very close to that program, and you live in eastern Iowa, so it's a different perspective. What do people around the Iowa program, what do people in eastern Iowa, what are their thoughts on the ascension of the Iowa State football program? Well, they don't like it. (laughs) You know, no. Can't wait for Campbell to leave. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, right, exactly. I think you you kind of hit the nail there. Which is, you know, there, there's always kind of that watchful eye over, I would say, Iowa State, Nebraska, with new coaches. I, for the most part, I think people recognize, uh, you know, both how good they are or will be. Um, there's an appreciation if you were to ask people, um, you know, to put down their guards and their rivalry that there is a definite appreciation for what Matt Campbell has done and and the players that they have. And and I think, you know, outside of just a couple of, uh, you know people who just can't get over it uh you know i think they realize that iowa state is a program that's really building something and and uh you know just from even though iowa's won the last four i mean they've been uh, all but one have been very competitive and you see the players that iowa state has built and 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 on the style of play and i think most people uh, appreciate that but you know they're still geared more towards the big ten uh you know so that's kind of their main focus is you know how to beat wisconsin (laughs) even more so than Iowa State. Scott Dockman from The Athletic. Uh, Doc, let's uh, talk about the piece uh, with Kirk Ferentz. You had a lengthy sit-down with him. It's posted uh, at The Athletic. Uh, it's, it's a really good read. You know, but my, here's my two takeaways from it. Maybe my biggest one, and I'm sure that the, the most uh, feedback that you'll get will be on Ferentz's uh, take on the playoff system and what he would like to see it do. Um, and he, you know, he's fine with it going back to two teams, although he realizes that's never going to happen. But my bigger takeaway from it was just how much, uh, maybe fear is not the right word, but the concussion issue is certainly not lost on him. And, and he, to his credit, uh, realizes just potentially how big of an issue and what might, what this might do to the sport that he, you know, has made his living and his kids making the living for the most part and what we love to watch, uh, what this might do to football. I thought that was a very good uh, section of your piece on the concussion issue in Ferentz. Yeah, I thought so too. I mean, you know, what, Kirk Ferentz, uh, you know, kind of has a almost a vanilla reputation in public and, and he, you know, lives by that during the season and, you know, in press conferences. But when you get him behind closed doors or, or one-on-one, uh, you find how introspective he is, how thoughtful he is. You know that he's really, you know, a, a, a man of high intellect and and certainly an appreciation for the sport, the sport that he's been in part of his whole life. Uh, that his three children have played, for, three of his sons have played for him. So when he comes to the con- 
concussion issue, I think he understands that, hey, this is this is serious, this is real, the, the long-term effects are, are dangerous. And he also understands that, you know, everything has shifted on concussions over the last, you know, really over the, the stretch of his career. Um, you know, I, I do recall not that long ago, I mean, 10-plus years ago, but, you know, you talk about somebody getting dinged or their bell rung or something like that, and it really wasn't anything that really you thought too much about. But I think as time is, is matriculated here, I think he's really came to an understanding of how serious it is. And You know, talking about somebody like Damon Bullock and his, uh, you know, concussion against UNI in 2012, it shows you, you know, I mean, Damon Bullock was a, was a nice player for Iowa, but, you know, he's somebody that maybe isn't quite memorable, but he just recalls that very moment when that happens. Then he recalled later when it, you know, in, in fact, even in, in a game, it was a non-conference game, and then he remembered when it happened again. So I think, you know, the fact that he, he does care deeply about his players and, and about the situations, I think it really shows, um, you know, and how he feels the future of the sport needs to be uh, better managed, you know, especially from a medical perspective. Doc, another part of the article at The Athletic talking about uh, playoffs and expansion, and, and I did get a kick out of Kirk saying, you know, the argument if it's number three or number six or whatever it is, he says it's Alabama and Clemson. You don't hear that very often from a head coach at a power program realizing what I think everybody else realizes. It is Alabama and Clemson and and saying that to you. Yeah, yeah, he he understands that it's really, uh, you know, it's it's pretty narrow at the top. And really it's about X number of teams that are really debating here. And then there's a couple others that once in a while filter in. I mean, Iowa did, you know, a few years ago. Same thing with Michigan State and Wisconsin recently. But you know, I, I think, you know, he realizes it's inevitable. It's going to happen, it's, you know. But I think, you know, it, partially my views, probably some of his are that if you get an 18 playoff, Iowa's never going to win a national title. And neither will somebody like Wisconsin or, you know, I, I'd say Nebraska, you know, will never be there. Nobody outside of about seven to eight programs have a chance to win it when you go in three deep, three straight weeks uh, of teams of that kind of talent. So, you know, I mean, if you had the old BCS, uh, you know, one versus two, you get through a regular season gauntlet, undefeated, you win your conference championship, and you got a one-game scenario, you got a shot. But if you're, gonna, if you're Iowa, and let's say you've you got to run the gauntlet of, you know, Alabama, Ohio State, and Clemson, you, you've got no shot. And, and I think, you know, that maybe, you know, he didn't really go into that point necessarily, but I think, you know, the, the realization is that the – whether it's the Blue Bloods or the teams that really can accumulate the riches in recruiting, that they're the ones that are really going to prevail. So, uh, you know, I, I think he'd, he'd prefer to go back. He understands that's not realistic. Uh, but, uh, you know, he's also come to the conclusion that it's, it's going to happen. I found most interesting is just, you know, I kind of asked him, I said, hey, if you're the commissioner of college football, you know, what would you like to see? And, and you know, he was really, you know, pretty good about that, where he talked about all kinds of subjects from, you know, he'd like to lock everybody in a room and, you know, in Montana in January and, uh, you know, and have them come out with some sort of, a, you know, a, agreement where there are certain parameters that nobody can cross. And he'd like more active enforcement. He's not necessarily a bureaucratic man, but I think he just wants everybody to play at the same level playing field. 
uh, going forward. Yeah, I, I totally agree with him. Uh, maybe not Montana. Send him to Grand Forks. Montana's a little... <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, let, let, let's switch to basketball, Doc. And here's why... I mean, they're on a five-game uh, winning streak right now. Here's what I really like about it. I hate that they're right back in the hunt uh, and they're relevant, but it's seemingly a different guy every night, right? It's one night it's it's Tyler Cook, or one night it's Bohan, and Gars has had his moments. Yesterday, Weisskamp couldn't mit miss isaiah moss who's got to see more playing time um he was terrific yes garza had his day but you get my point that it's they're not relying on just one guy to carry them uh and this five game winning streak i think is a perfect example of the fact that you know they've got they're spreading the wealth over there yeah offensively they certainly are and that's been impressive and uh joe Lee's camp is uh you know the real deal and we saw that yesterday going great from the field uh you know and and the fact that they're able to compensate for good players. You know, they've had injuries, and then, you know, that Tyler Cook missed a couple of games, missed a couple of road games where, you know, I mean, just, you know, not only, you know, what, a week and a half, two weeks ago, we're talking about this team that, you know, has, you know, for 11 straight games on the road, have allowed, seven, you know, fall right. by 17 yep. plus points, that now, now they're able to withstand runs on the, on the road and turn it around and win games. Even against competition, you know, Penn State's not a good team, but they've struggled there before. Uh, you know, they they were able to handle that, withstand it, and overcome. And, yeah, as you mentioned, that, that different players are having great nights. You know, Isaiah Moss, you know, as you mentioned, has been really good. You know, but I think Creener. the other – yeah, Creener, of course. Creener has come through. And, and really, you know, I think some of this is the effect of a, a shorter bench. Uh, you know, if – you know. Jack Dungey was still was playing, and if uh, Cordell Pemsel was able to play, and if Cook was able to play all these games, then I think you've got that rotational problem where you're like, well, you know, I'm going to put him in there, and then he has a good game, and then, you know, it, it, that's what's happened in the past. But now that they're kind of forced to keep it at eight or nine players, you've seen that come to fruition. And then finally, I think the best part for them is, you know, this team is never going to rank very highly, and when it comes to defense because of the style of play. It has more possession, uh, but they're able to do what they need to do, uh, you know, to create problems. And, you know, last year, it, you know, they had hardly any steal, you know, but this year they're playing better defense. They're, you know, it's about four to five possessions better this year than last year, which gives them a chance. This week's going to be tough. I mean, Michigan State coming home, uh, coming to Iowa City. I think this, is, this will tell you a lot about this team. Same thing with going on the road to Minnesota next Sunday. Uh, but, you know, they put themselves in a position where, you know, hey, this is a, a solidly ranked team that's got a, a chance at, you know, really at the NCAA tournament. What's a more likely victory, Thursday against Michigan State at home or the following Friday at home against Michigan? Mm. Uh, that's that's mm. tough, you know. I mean, I'd probably, <laughs> I'd, I'd probably go with Michigan um, at home, but. You know, Michigan State has always had Iowa's number. Yeah, yeah they, they beat them a couple years ago. Uh, but, you know, they're just so physical with Iowa in, in man-to-man defense. And Iowa still doesn't really have a lot of separation among the guards. They just don't get to create their own shots very well or very easily. So I think that creates challenges. Now, if they can be competitive, though, at home, if you get a raucous environment, if they can hit shots, if they can, you know, Get to the free throw line the way they have, then I think that they've got a chance. 
But this is a program that just always stands in its way, and it's really hard for Iowa to get over over the top of. Scott Dockerman from The Athletic. Two thumbs up for Trent and I. Highly recommend purchasing a subscription. It is the future of sports writing. Thank you, Scott Dockerman. Appreciate you coming on. We'll talk to you next week. Drive safely in Minnesota. All right. Thanks so much, guys. Appreciate good, it. Yeah, good to talk to you. And for that matter, in Iowa when you get back, too, right? Yeah, both states. <laughs> right. Uh, we'll take a time out. We went a little bit late. We're going to come back in about 15 minutes. We're going to talk to Nick Athen, ChiefsInsider.com, uh, Miller & Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO.